you found yourself homeless, jobless, your son got diagnosed with cancer, and your house burned down. I mean, just craziness. That made no money at all. What a roller coaster. Basically, they kicked us out of our own company. Really strict terms. Obviously, that hurt. So when I speak to other founders now, I'm like, you know, as exciting as it is that somebody wants to give you money, be very, very careful. Sure. And if somebody else is going through something similar, it'll be okay. Hire fast, fire fast, right? If you let somebody stay who's not pulling their weight, who's taking advantage, that can demotivate a team. It can really mess everything up. Yes. The world's lowest 100 gig encryption latency. And we've <laughs> now just, we're in the middle of a pilot with PQC, post-quantum cryptography. Melissa, welcome to the show. I want to get stuck right in. You found yourself in a position where you were homeless, jobless, your son got diagnosed with cancer, and your house burned down. You cannot make this stuff up. Spoiler alert for the listeners, it's a happy ending. Everything is fine. The sun is alive and doing well. Melissa sat here, so it all works out well in the end. But what a roller coaster. Exactly. Oh, oh yeah. my God. Let's. I just want to start there. I want to get stuck right in at the deep end. What the hell happened? Oh gosh. So <laughs> oh, um, we started... So when I say, I'm going to say we a lot because um, my husband and I started um, businesses before, whereas Sidehop is um, my co-founder's Ben. But um, so we started a company, unfortunately, during the recession, um, and we ended up putting a lot of our own money in it. And it was growing and we were global and we had customers, but it was growing so fast that we had to take on investment. So I'll do the short version. Um, basically, it was U.S. investors really strict terms, um, you know, ratcheting where if we didn't hit milestones and it was, we could go into depth there, but basically they kicked us out of our own company. Wow. So we were like, obviously that hurt. <laughs> um, and after a couple of months of crying and drinking, we were like, okay, look, look, um, what, what's a good thing we can do out of this? So we, we got rid of all of our possessions we, we rented one little storage unit for our family heirlooms and we just with our two youngest kids we just we traveled America and Europe and we're like we're on non-competes they're paying us you know not not to compete with them let's make the most of it and it was at the end of that a year because so the plan was that we would travel for like two years wait you know wait out the non-competes um but at the end of the first year we were in Canada and um, our youngest son, who was six, was diagnosed with leukemia. And it was just, it was crazy. You know, they, we went to the doctor, they put him on a plane and flew him across the country to a hospital that took us five hours to drive to, to catch up with them. And I mean, just craziness. So that happened um, 2014. And he's... Um, I mean, thank God he's fine now. But I mean, it was four years of, of treatment. But when he was diagnosed, we were out of country. You know, we, we were homeless. So we were staying in Airbnbs. We were moving around. So we had no base. We had no family, you know, no job, no health insurance. You know, we had minimal travel insurance. Um, yeah, so it was just... Wow. It sounds horrendous. And in America as well, for all of the great stuff it's got going on, the healthcare <laughs> system is 
definitely not one of them. It's definitely not. Although I can say, um, so we we lived in Maryland um, and Johns Hopkins University is really well known and they're very, very good. So we decided, um, so we went back to Maryland for Edward's treatment um, and he got excellent treatment. But as far as paying for it, it was insane. So luckily, um, someone we knew said, hey, let's spin up, you know, he, he wanted to help us out. He had some money. He said, let's spin up another company. You know, you guys know what you're doing. So, you know, we spun up another tech company while he's my son's in <laughs> cancer treatment wow. doing another startup. So that that was crazy. Um, and, you know, and that went on and that enabled us to get health insurance. Right. But um, but, you know, little plug for Obamacare, because you know, we would have been in a lot more trouble if it if it hadn't been right. for that. Yeah, no, I can't even imagine. It's not even going to go there. What I'm curious about is obviously you've had these horrendous setbacks, which you wouldn't wish on anyone. These are some of the worst things that could ever possibly happen that have happened to you. And I know that you are so resilient. I know that it's part of your character uh, as a mom as well, serial mm. entrepreneur. You're obviously gritty. You've got the thick skin and everything. And what I want, you know, I heard you you talk about you just get on with it, right? Like you've just got to, you know, the baby's crying in the middle of the night. You just got to wake up and sort it out, right? I wonder whether like, are you, do you thrive in that like real under pressure where it's like the shit has really hit the fan or things are going really well. Like, is that almost, I guess, easier in a sense for you to handle versus like the mundane, like, oh crap, something's gone a bit wrong. Do you know what I mean? Um, I don't know. I think my personality, even when, um, so even when things are going really well, um, I don't manufacture <laughs> drama, but I just like, I don't like to sit still. I mean, even just to sit down and watch a movie, I, I have to be doing something else as well. I just, it's really hard for me to just sit still. So, um, but from a young age, um, so I grew up in a very religious environment in the Bible Belt of Texas. And um, so kind of, I had to learn to be scrappy from early on because mm. uh, I didn't want to follow the norms. Mm. Um, and then just very early on, I learned that whenever there was a difficult time, I just kind of, I don't know if it's healthy or not, but I just kind of put it in a box and just shut it in a room. And I'm like, I'll deal with that later. So even with, like when Edward was diagnosed, um, my husband will probably kill me for saying this, but like, he's the one who fell apart. Wow. Right. And I said, okay, we have to do this. Now we have to do that. And I just went straight into like survival what, mode. Exactly. Right. What, what has to happen right now. And mm. I didn't actually it didn't really hit me for a year. It, and it took a year for me to go, oh, oh my God. <laughs> wow. We just went through that. Like, right. well, we were still going through it, but right. it's like, so, you know, PTSD right. is real. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you've had some humongous successes. You know, you mentioned that you come from the Bible Belt of Texas, very religious background. Uh, yeah, I remember you saying, you know, your dad was a bit hard on you kind of mm. growing up and stuff as well. And, well, tell the story anyway, because I know you, you've got a sister and you kind of see how the same parenting, you know, we're just kind of going back a little bit, but how the same parenting can affect one person or another, depending on very, very different characters. We, yeah, well, so my sister and I, we both um, reacted to it differently. Um, I kind of, you know, when I was told I wasn't good enough, you know, my attitude was like, 
I'll prove you wrong. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> watch me. You know, um, actually, that's funny because um, our board, um, there was a, an issue that came up, and they're like, "This nobody's ever done this," and I was like, "Watch us!" <laughs> like, and we did it. So amazing. Um, yeah. Congratulations. So, so we, to your previous question, do I excel under pressure? I would say yes. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, this definitely don't you There's know don't of- don't tell me I can't do something. Um, Whereas, you know, my sister tried to, like, go along, just, you know, just wanted to keep the peace and, mm. and go along with it more. Whereas, like, you know, kind of want, was ready to buck the system. It's an interesting nature versus nurture experiment is when you've got siblings and you've had similar parenting, similar upbringing, you know, both come from very religious background and everything. And actually the very different responses that you can both have to those situations. So whatever you want to call that, whether it's the entrepreneurial spirit within you, the grit, the resilience, you've obviously got that within Mm. you. So like going through like, sorry, I'm going to just stick with the tough times because I'm a masochist. (laughs) I don't mind because actually, you know, I have come out the other side and if somebody else is going through something similar and they're thinking, how is this ever going to be okay? You know, it's, it's, this is sometimes it helps to hear somebody else has been through it and you'll be okay. Thank you for saying that. That's, that's exactly the point. So when you are in some of those darker times, I guess maybe when you're kind of out, like you said before, when you're in it, it's survival mode, put it in a box, got to get on with life, got to make it happen. That's your natural MO. And then the PTSD hits or something else kind of gets in your way and really kind of grinds at you. What's like literally going through your mind in those moments? How do you, you know, to your point, if anyone's going through a tough time, anyone's listening to this, what's the internal narrative that goes through your mind that might help someone listening? So... Yeah, I I suspect it's a little different with different situations, but um, I tell I tell my children now and I guess it's from what I've learned is when something bad happens, give yourself like a set period of time to grieve, you know, to cry, to just do nothing. And but but kind of give yourself a set time and say, okay, you know, that's you know, time's up. Mm. It's time to like, I've grieved. It's, it was sad, but it's time to move on. Mm. So that's sometimes easier said than done. And, you know, everybody slides and revisits it. I mean, we, I was just walking um, from the station to our office the other day and there's a big office building being built and, and I love construction and building. And so, and I, I love watching it go up. And so the trigger was, I was, they're framing it now. And I was like, oh, that's really smart. Metal framing, that's really good and advantageous. And I was like, immediately took me to my house burning down and seeing the structural, the wooden structural framework and it all burning down. And I was like, (gasps) right. And it was just like, uh, and just caught me. I was like, oh, wow, that's still affecting me. Wow. (laughs) I really caught you off guard in the moment. Mm, And it just kind of hits you. And you're like, okay, you're okay. Everything's fine. Like, look where you are. Look what you're doing. Yeah. Wow. So there is that kind of other voice, that nurturing that comes in and like, it's fine. It's fine. Mm. It's funny. You say, you know, you need to give yourself that time to get it out your system. That is backed up by psychological research is there is a point. There's a very fine line as there is with everything of it is healthy to get it out, to wallow, to grieve. But you've also got exactly to your point, you've got to know when kind of enough is enough because Mm. there is a dangerous point where it just goes 
too far and you mm. are just wallowing and you just go into a dark place. Um, so it's kind of get it out then write okay you know wash your face it's funny because my my mum's advice with this it really makes me laugh so you know how obviously you've been in in the UK for a little while now so mm-hmm. you may have come across the cup of tea being the solution to, to everything kind of anything right <laughs> weirdly my mum's got a very niche one which is having a shower okay <laughs> so it reminds me of that with if I'm ever if I'm crying if I'm upset if I'm having a dark you know going through some dark times she's like you know calm down get it out have a hot shower I have a sister too my sister and I always take the mick out of her a little bit so look it has definitely not been all dark days for you far from it you've had a lot of success you've built up very successful businesses you've had huge teams around you you've secured tons of funding you presented at mobile world congress i believe with, mm-hmm. with site hop we'll get into site hop as well in a little bit um so i'm curious just with sticking a little bit with kind of the motivational theme here as well with you i'm just, i'm i'm really intrigued is what do you think motivates you more is it that kind of answering back to your dad with i'll prove you wrong watch me i'm gonna go and do it versus being fueled by the achievements the positive success I think it's both yeah cool <laughs> I think I think it's definitely both um that was fueled um from early on when I left uh, university um I was hired into a company called Filtronic they they hired like 20 engineers junior engineers they had they were going through massive growth and just really need to needed to scale up really fast I was the only woman hired in this group and and it so I don't like to to focus on women difficulties and issues, but there it was definitely there. Um, right, there was there was definitely a boys club, um, and it was difficult. And I so I just worked twice as hard wow. to say to just be like, well, you know, you guys don't want to include me, then I'm gonna leave you in my dust. So I mean, I literally st- I worked double shifts so that I could go into the machine shop and learn how to machine my own stuff. So it's wow. like because we had. Pr- you know, prototyping and hands-on in the lab and, um, that turned out really well. And that was really fulfilling. So I was, I was picked to, to lead a big project that went on to, to we make, made a hundred thousand of one of my designs and that was amazing. So wow. I got, and that's where I got a lot of my experience for, for the role that I'm in now. Um, so that, so it was, it was a little bit of both. It was a little bit of, I'll show you, but also the, the gratification of, achieving and accomplishing and doing something new so it was a new technology as well sure so and then you know taking it to market so that was a real meritocracy with that one and you you inter so I mean I know you don't want to kind of you know harp on too much about being you know women in business and everything else I know that you know that there are issues there are I mean besides just you know the fact that you are an incredible female founder in tech you know you're currently the founder of a cybersecurity business you interned at nasa back in the day so you've always worked or it seems you know you've mainly worked in very very male dominated industries right like nasa cybersecurity mm-hmm. your back you know, we mentioned you grew up in the bible belt of texas as yeah, well. yeah. so even that you know culturally gender you've got these things that are really standing stark contrast with each other so how did you get into it was it just a natural interest um so I I think 
that's a good question. I was, I've always liked math and science and creativity. So, um, and I like to draw and paint as well. So when it came time to go to university, um, I was going to go into the army because I just, we, you know, we didn't have money to pay for university. And obviously if you go into the military, they pay for it. Um, but it was, they weren't in heavy recruitment or that's anyway, that didn't work out. Um, so I didn't, so I had to put myself through university, but I was like, Oh, am I going to be an art major? I'm going to be math and science. Um, and so I started with art actually, um, loved it. Absolutely loved it. But I was, i quickly realized I'm like I don't want to be a starving artist <laughs> like, as much as I like doing art you know I actually want to you know I, I'm very ambitious and driven and just the art stuff wasn't moving fast enough so um I kind of always like to move fast um yeah I don't yeah. and so transition more into kind of the stem science tech maths yeah so di- so did that um I wanted to, so I thought, okay, math and science and art, I'll be an architect. Well, there weren't Mm. any um, schools in Maryland. In the States, um, if you stay in state for school, it's cheaper than if you go out of state. Like you almost pay like international fees or something if you go out of state. So I, so I couldn't do architecture because there weren't any schools that did it. So I had, so I picked civil engineering and then that's where um, I ended up getting a NASA scholarship and worked at NASA with the civil engineers, so the facilities engineering, um, which was great. That summer, I got to go around the whole base and see everything um, because I was working with the buildings, wow. right? So, so I got to see everything. But I, I said, "Oh, I don't think I want to do this day in and day out." So, so I switched to mathematics and computer science. Um, and then end up getting my first job as an engineer anyway. Wow. But were wireless, there, like wireless engineering. Wow. Amazing. Were there any female role models that you looked up to at that time? You know, I'm aware of the, you know, see her, be her kind of concept. You just kind of followed your interests. Yeah. No. I mean, in the engineering classes, I was, I was the only woman yeah. <laughs> in, in the engineering classes. Mm. Um, when I switched to math and computer science, there were more women. Right. Um, than in engineering, mm. um, but then I ended up working as an engineer. Mm. Um, so it was really nice. Um, you know, I was there, um, I think, year and a half to two years at my first job before the next woman was hired. Wow. Um, Eventually. Yeah. So it was great. So it's like, you know, even then it was like, come on, come on, I'll help you. <laughs> you know? I take you under my roof. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love there are more of these unsung heroes that are being unveiled now as history is being. We're finding out more of the truths and uh uh, an icon who I think is incredible is Hedy Lamar. Do you know her? Mm-hmm. The, yeah. You know, and it. She for anyone who hasn't heard, she's a Hollywood film star. Brilliant. Drop dead gorgeous. Mm. But she was also the inventor of the technology for GPS. Laid the foundation for the tech and Wi-Fi. Yeah. Like really p- pivotal in the tech that we that we have today. But because she had good looks on her side, it was the acting and the film star career got, that got her the attention. <laughs> got her the attention, and mm-hmm. she she goes down in history is more famous for that as opposed to all these other amazing things. Mm-hmm. Amazing. So you went into kind of engineering. And then somewhere along the way, you discovered actually entrepreneurship is what scratches that itch Mm. of moving fast enough and making things happen. And you've uh, had numerous businesses, you built up very successful companies. So let's kind of 
kind of recap a bit of that. So was this, was you one company you had? Was this one that you were squeezed out of? So, yeah, so before? I left, um, so I met my husband um, at the company that I joined straight out of university. Wow. Um, and we both worked in, you know, engineers. And when we decided um, to date, um, we we left the company. Mm. Um, it was just going to be too complicated. So we cashed in our stock options, moved to Florida, um, had some kids, <laughs> and then and then said, "Oh gosh, maybe we should make some more money <laughs> because we have a lot of kids now." So so that's when we kind of we said, um, "Well, actually, I take that back." We we decided when we were down there because, like I said, we can't just sit around and do nothing. So kind of technically we were retired early but we started a video production company yeah so which was so fun because like well like I said is like you know I like art and painting and visuals and my husband is very mu musical right so he plays lots of instruments and was in bands and um and Good then combination. we yeah and we brought in his nephew and we did we did video production for a couple years um like six years wow and that was so much fun. <laughs> By the way, I think it's hilarious that you both left the company because it was too complicated to work together as colleagues, but actually go and set up a business together yeah, and be co-founders. Well, you know what it was? It was the whole, because I was doing so well, everyone was saying, oh, she must be sleeping with them. Uh, right. Yeah, so, that must have pissed you off. <laughs> oh, yeah, to totally. Right. And it, so, so when we actually did decide to date, it was like, I don't want to deal with that. Right, right. Fair enough. So, yeah. which is that really fair? Yeah, that's no. annoying. Yeah. But, you know, because I was, you know, I was starting to really do well at that company and move up. And, and because I fell in love, I had to, I had mm. to stop it. Mm. Quick fun fact. Did you know that the annual spend on outsourcing and hiring agencies is $900 billion? This year alone. That's why I'm so proud to collaborate with 50pros.com, a new and fast-growing platform that connects highly vetted agencies with companies looking for their next marketing partner. If you've ever had to source your own agency before, then you'll know unless you've had a good referral, it can be like trying to find a needle in a haystack. That's why with 50pros.com, they provide you with a curated, vetted, no-noise directory of only the top 50 firms within 50 categories. Head to the link in the show notes, 50pros.com, and I really hope this helps you get it right with your next marketing partner. All right, let's get back to the show. So you did the video production company, mm -hmm. did well, you did that for six years. Yeah, so we did that, that made no money at all. <laughs> that was more fun. We did right. lots of charity work. Um, and, you know, donated our time and things for schools and other charities. And then, you know, but during that time, you know, we had some kids and joined our families. And so we said, oh, you know, we, we should do something else because <laughs> it was we could see the recession was coming, too. So this is like 2008. Yeah. Um, Big one. Yeah. So huge. Yeah. Huge. Um, so we, we decided it was a great time to start a tech company. <laughs> um, then the recession got really bad. So even when we got our first order from Motorola, um, and took it to the bank and said, okay, we'd like to take out a loan so we can build this product. They just laughed at us and said, you know, there's a recession <laughs> going on. So we ended up, um, investing all of our money. In, into the company and it was growing and you know we had multiple locations around the globe and we were we had um, manufacturing in the states and manufacturing in china um 
and then, yeah, we had to take on investment. And yeah, it's a shame because it was, it was actually one of our friends who was, you know, buys and sells banks for a living. Um, and, but they were, he went into, he, he's the one who came in and invested and went into deal mode and just, Mm. it was awful. It was really, really bad. Um, so when I speak to other founders (laughs) now, I'm like, you know, as exciting as it is that somebody wants to give you money, be very, very careful. Sure. Sure. (laughs) It's interesting with various conversations with amazing resilient entrepreneurs like yourself who've been through some of the worst of the worst as is your case and the things that have hurt the most are often those emotional I guess betrayal for want of a better Mm. word when it's somebody it's more of a relationship thing right so in your instance it's a friend who invested and then went into deal mode and then that Mm. all turned ugly or whether it's thinking you could have trusted a co-founder there's various different stories but they have that common theme to that so is that what happened so your friend you like you sort of knew him in a different so yeah I mean our families vacationed together wow I mean our kids were you know in the same classes and um yeah so to have that turn so sour and I don't know I suppose that's why they say don't get into business with your friends. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so this was the scenario where they ultimately pushed you out of the business. What was the reasoning to get the What was the mechanism? Out? Yeah, or, how did that um, yeah. So um, greed, I think, actually. Um, the, the contract was, um, you know, it had provisions in it to, to ratchet back um, equity if we didn't hit certain milestones. Right. Um, and I think... Um, I simply, I think some orders were held back, um, so that the milestone was missed. They got more equity and it just, right. you know, right. and they used that to Play dirty. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. And, but it didn't knock you so much to kind of never go back into business again or go out and get. Oh no, I definitely drank for three months straight. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> was- to the point where I was like. I don't care if I go to rehab. Like I was, it it hurt a lot. It was really, Um, really, really hard. And because like you said, it was something that we'd put, I mean, I lived and breathed it. I mean, put everything, not only all of our money, but all of our effort and our time Mm. and and our heart, Mm. you know, and to have someone that you were friends with be the one to, you know, at two, you know, it's like, really what? Um, Yeah, no, that hurt, but it was, um, it, you know, finally, luckily I was able to kind of pull myself out of it and say, okay, look, snap out of it. Wow. This is not how you're going to live the rest of your life. Go and show them, <laughs> like, just, you know, turn it around. So you like, your- do not let them beat you. Right, right. So you needed your grieving period there mm. was, was in that instance happened to be three months. I need to just yeah process this wallow whatever you want to call it yeah, all and of then, that yeah <laughs> I did all of that <laughs> my poor With kids <laughs> oh my goodness Jesus. and then so you pulled yourself through so was it just a case of okay like got out of the system pulled through and, and so this is what I was saying you've gone on to found other businesses raise investment you've gone through that again so I guess it's a case of you've got the scars, learn from them, pull you, you know, pick yourself back up, dust yourself off again. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you do it, Melissa. I, really, I don't know how. I'm just, I feel like I want to ask you the same question in 10 different ways. No, that's it's fine. I mean, being so an entrepreneur formidable. is so exciting. 
yeah. mean, it's so, I mean, we're building something, you know, mm. and especially in, in high tech stuff, you know, you're doing stuff that nobody else has done yet. Mm. You're solving a problem that hasn't been solved yet. So, and it's, um, and now, I mean, oh, I feel like I'm really in my element now because it's like, I just turned 50, you know, Happy all birthday. of my, well, okay. I keep saying that. I, said I was going to turn 50 for like the year leading up to it because I knew when the day hit I was going to fall apart. So that way if I'd said it for a year, it didn't matter. So I'm still saying it because I don't think I'm going to turn 51. I'm just going to stay 50 and that's it. But anyway, so I just turned 50 12 years ago. Yeah. You know, it's just, that's exactly what I'll say. Yeah, yeah. But it's like all of my experiences and all the things I've learned. And, you know, I even want to say to to the junior engineer who's sitting in the lab doing the same test over and over, and you're thinking, what is the point of this? I can look back at when I had to do that and be like, I see it now. I see, I see why that was important. I see how I could have done it better. Mm. And, you know, but then I can, even that I can use to teach somebody else. Mm, mm. So it's just, you know, it's all coming together you know, building something, teaching people, having fun along the way. I mean, how, why wouldn't I want to do it again? <laughs> you got to remind yourself of that. Well, at least I think I, you know, to have fun along the way, because it's easy to just get, you know, pulled into all of the crap. Um, but you mentioned um, just on that comment there about, you know, being able to teach others. Nice segue into um, team, which is what you're great at. And you talk about a lot. So I've got a few questions for you there in terms mm -hmm. of, team management and getting the best out of people around you. So I guess starting with hire fast, fire fast, right? Hire and fire mm. as quick as you can. So I've heard you talk about, you know, if there is a, whatever you want to call them, rotten apple or you see things aren't working out, there's one kind of toxic, you think like, they, they got to go. It It's still, it, it's not an easy thing to do. No, it, it's, no, it's not easy so at all. I guess two part question with that is one, how do you recognize that it's definitely like, no, okay, they've got to go as opposed to, oh, maybe give them another chance. And then B is, how, you know, how do you go about, do you kind of action it as quickly as possible? So the, again, unfortunately, um, I kind of learned from seeing it done incorrectly before, mm, right? And yeah. seeing what the result is. Mm. So if you let somebody stay who's not pulling their weight who's taking advantage people are like oh, well if if they're you know if she's not gonna do it then why should I have to do it it just it just it can really um mess everything up so it's a little bit easier to deal with it when you see that it almost broke the company before in the past mm. so now it's um I feel I feel a little bad. So I said in one of our interviews to hire new people, I was like, you come and work at this company because you want to move things forward and, you know, and, and go, go, go. And, you know, have fun. You know, if you're, if you're thinking you're going to take this job and be able to sit back and coast, just don't. Mm. And I was like, mm. Oh, maybe I shouldn't actually just come out and say that, but you're better off being clear. Oh, right? just, like, yeah. the, like, especially up front and in the interview, just like, this is the way yeah. it works. These are our values. This is what we expect. This is what we don't tolerate. I think you're better off just being clear about that and people know where they stand. It seems it's, I think it's worked out well. We have such a good team at SideHop. Everybody is, I hope everyone feels valued. I think they do. Um, but, you know, because we, you know, we hire people for their skills and then they, 
you, you let them do it. You mm. let their, them do their thing and you make sure that you just get out of their way. Mm. What do you need? <laughs> like, this is what we need you to accomplish. What do you need to get there? Mm. You know? Mm. And it's, I think, you know, when people see that they're growing and that they're contributing and see the results and it's starting to pay off, it's really fulfilling. Mm. So when you have someone come in and they're not doing that and they're slowing people down and they're, you know, getting in the way. And then, so you have to, that can demotivate a team. So unfortunately, you know, you have to bite the bullet. You just have to make the decision because we're moving so fast that if there's, if there's anything like that going on, you just have to say, I'm, I'm sorry. It's just, it's not working out. Yeah. What I take away from that is like, the both the good and the bad, you know, in terms of having great hires, keeping out their way, letting them fly and minimizing the bad eggs, if you like, is the interview process. You know, you just mentioning about being really clear, this is where we stand. It, am I correct in that interpretation? Is it very much like early on, do what you can to make sure that you're qualifying the talent before it gets kind of further along? Um, yeah, it's luckily we've made, um, you know, mostly good decisions. And I have to say Ben, so Ben, my co-founder, he's the CTO. He's amazing. I mean, our technical team, I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, we're just now building the ops team and luckily um, I've been able to hire people I've worked with before. So I already know they're good. Great. Okay. <laughs> so, but, but Ben, um, does a very strenuous um, tech interview. Mm. I mean, say so we do a first kind of, do they fit in the culture? Are they going to fit within the rest of the team? And then they do another interview that's very technical. Mm. And so if they can get, and, but he's very kind on, on one hand. So he's very super, very knowledgeable um, and will challenge the tech team, but he's also really good at explaining things. So there's whiteboards all over the office because Ben will jump, jump up and be like, okay, let's explain it like this. And he'll draw mm, pictures and, and he'll take the time. So, so he does that in the interview process mm, as well. Great. So, and he's done a really good job. Amazing. And you are a mom of six. Is that correct now? Yep. How, how does a mom of literally half a dozen humans <laughs> oh my goodness. Help, help you be a better manager sticking with the, the team subject? Has it taught you to be more patient? I would imagine. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Your patience oh yeah, is like... definitely that multitasking. <laughs> yeah, knowing that everybody's different. Everybody, you know, just even though we're all in the same family, whether it be my home family or my work family, everybody's different. Everybody has different needs. So you and um, you have to adjust to mm. that. I mean, mm. I I was lucky that um, you know, I I had a, a mentor who was really, really good at that um, and could work with anybody and kind of get the best out of them mm. be because the, he could adjust to the situation and the person and it just, you know, the people at the company would do anything for him mm, because they amazing. knew he had their back and I'm trying really hard to, to be like that Emulate too. Emulate him yeah. them. Amazing. I love you mentioned this mentor, you know, learning from others, learning, you know, taking the good stuff and then earlier on, in the conversation you mentioned about seeing actually how somebody had made the mistake and done things badly and actually learn from all of that, right? It's what you mm. take with you. <laughs> so bringing it into more kind of present day. So you moved over to the UK and now the founder of SiteHop, which mm -hmm. did I read something about it being kind of record-breaking, like latency, like the fastest? The world's lowest 100 gig encryption latency. Yep. 
Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and we've now just, we're, we literally, we're in the middle of um, a pilot with PQC, which so post-quantum cryptography um, is running at 100 gigabits per second. Wow. So that's, you know, obviously means... quantum computers are big in the news now. Right. I mean, AI has been new, but quantum's really starting to come up and people are starting to push it. Um, so the fact that, you know, we have post-quantum cryptography is good because most people don't know that um, data, you're thinking, oh, you know, the encryption's good now, but there's bad actors who are storing, just storing, storing data. And then eventually when, you know, uh, quantum computers come on, they can just decrypt it all, mm. right? And, and then d who knows what they're going to do with that information. Wow. So having a post-quantum cryptography now is, is going to be hot wow okay you, you heard it here first okay well I've never heard of PQC before but they say you learn something new every day so that's my one post-quantum cryptography is mm -hmm. that what it was okay mm -hmm. I'm definitely gonna google that a little yeah. bit later um it sounds amazing so how, how big is the team now um so we are six pe full-time people wow um but we're probably gonna we're gonna double probably over the next month or two um because we've um We've started, uh, we've finished successful POCs with some global customers. We've been onboarded into six different countries as a vendor. You know, we're looking, we're going to start deploying soon. Wow. So yeah, we're, we're, we're shifting from startup into Real scale-up mode. Yeah. Wow, how so, exciting. Yeah, growing. What were some of the key, I guess, um, moments in time in the business that unlocked the next level of growth for you because now it's easy well easy it's never easy but you know you kind of just rattle off oh, six countries and everything else but I guess like what was the first big contract how did you get in there how did that help unlock the next stage so relationships okay you know <laughs> don't burn bridges right <laughs> you know so it was just um except if they're with investor friends who squeeze you out your own company yeah thanks <laughs> maybe burn no. that bridge that's one you can burn <laughs> um yeah haven't haven't spoken to them no we um before we even officially so we officially started you know the begin first week of january of 22 um but in december and i'll never forget um, Carl was wearing this horrible Christmas sweater with lights, um, but he's he's brilliant. Um, and he he was the ex CTO of of one of our customers, mm -hmm. and um, so he made an introduction. So first of all, he listened to us. Who he is gave Carl, us time. By the way? So Sorry, Carl Perkins. I don't think he'll mind if I say it. He's he was our first advisor. Okay, and he's brilliant he's amazing um can I just jump in here as well sorry for a second I'm also just you say relationships I'm curious because obviously you're from America moved to the UK so how did you go about developing a network when because <laughs> I talk to everybody right okay <laughs> it doesn't matter where I am I will talk <laughs> literally talk to anyone Great. um so yeah, so it's easy for me. So that to was your strap. So first and foremost is if you're an extroverted character that <laughs> is able to go and talk to people, use what you've got, get out there, network. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'm not even, it's not even work for me. It's yeah. just, I love it. I like, I just love talking to people and, you know, my mom did the same thing, could stand in the grocery line and have, you know, have a full blown conversation with the person standing next to her, you know, and I was like, oh, mom, and my kids do it to me. But yeah. it's funny because they're becoming adults and they're them. doing it now. It's, I love it. I love seeing that they do it now. That's but we, funny. yeah, so Carl, um, you know, he's very technical. So, so Ben and I both get, um, 
mentorship and advice from him. Mm. So he, he's been amazing that, you know, that got us in front of, um, so we were introduced to the CTO who then said, Oh, talk to my next gen team. And then that just got, mm. you know, when we were able to present, this is what we've done and this mm. is how we've done it differently. And you just know. with the UK versus US thing as well, I'm curious, what have you noticed in terms of the networking, the community, the referrals kind of thing compared to, you know, culturally between the two places? Um, it just follows the stereotype actually. Does it? Um, so, I mean, networking itself, I think everybody networks that kind of the same way. Um, it might be a little more outright and bold from the, on the American side Um, kind of, I've noticed Americans get to the point a little bit quicker, mm. which is sometimes comes across as rude. That Sorry, everyone. <laughs> but, um, so I just kind of apologize in the beginning and say, look, you, you, obviously you can tell I'm American. Just, you know, I'd like to just get right to it and yeah, get to the point, which I think has helped us uh, with a British company mm. because um, a lot of the um, Europeans and British, they're obviously more reserved. I mean, it's all the stereotype, right. very reserved, exactly. you know, more formal. Yeah. And then here I come, ah! <laughs> poor Ben, my co-founder is like, Oh, Melissa. <laughs> I'm like, sorry. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm curious about because I got a bit of a culture shock coming to the UK over 10 years ago. Now it's like, wow, it really is. You Where are you from? I grew up abroad. So yeah, obviously very British accent. So, but yeah, like I've been in London for over 10 years and it really did. I was like, wow, like the reservedness, the these things, you culture, they're not, they're intangible. You can't quite put your finger on it, but it doesn't mean that it's not there. And mm. very much network, especially in business. I, I do have, I haven't done much business in America, but I'm aware of that stereotype of, you know, the movers and shakers, a bit more outspoken, right? How can you help me? How can I help you? Like, well, let me, let me give you an example of that. So when we raised the first time and um, we were pitching to, British investors, mm. angels and VCs and things. And it was all very much the same. And then we got introduced to an American angel who um, was very polite. We did the pitch the normal way. And then he's like, okay, 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 okay. okay. Um, <laughs> Melissa, Melissa, do you want me to tell you what I really think? And I was like, absolutely. And he's like, great. I hate this slide. Get to the point here. What are your numbers? Tell me your numbers. Yeah. Da, 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 da. And I was like, Oh, yeah. like I loved it. And yeah. Ben's like, what, 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 what's happening? What's happening? So um, I'm but, all for it. I oh, mean, it's brilliant. I loved it. And so he's still with the company. Yeah. Too. Um, I mean, as much as I've got this super British accent, I don't know whether it's this, there's some Americanism, which, you know, it's just, it saves time. It's get straight to the point. I want to cut through the wolf. I mean, the interview, I just wanted to get straight into the fact you were homeless, jobless, <laughs> some with cancer and oh. house burned. Like, I just want to get straight down to it. Okay, so going back to side okay, hop, yeah. so you kind of you you kind of leveraged your chattiness, if you mm. like, got networking in a new country as well. You know, built up a new network. Relationships matter. Got introduced. One thing led to another, mm -hmm. and so really just kind of leveraging that to continue to grow the company. Yeah. Yep. Right? So we got so so that helped. Then we went to Ben and I. Um, so Sidehop's based in Sheffield. Mm. Um, we traveled down to an event, a cyber, you know, founder investor event in Cheltenham. Right. And um, so we, you know, jumped in his van, you know, first company road trip went down um, and we met our first angel investor there, um, which was amazing. You know, so we, we, we got there and but it was because we were, you know, 
I dragged Ben along and we just went and started yeah, talking to people. And right. then, and then it just kind of snowballed from there mm-hmm. that, you know, that our, our first angel, Richard was really excited. And then he started to make introductions and then Great. that helped us raise our first money, which means, so since we're a hardware company, so what we do, the reason we're able to achieve the, the latency and the, the throughput that we do is because it's in hardware. Um, it requires more investment mm. um, because it's expensive. Mm. It's, it's, you know, it's one thing to have a laptop and, and write code on it versus having to actually build a hundred gig network <laughs> in the office. Right. So, so that was, so that, um, you know, that sped that on. And mm. then, you know, we just started hitting milestones Amazing. and yeah, it's congratulations. And so it's continuing on the upward trajectory now, it seems. You mentioned about doubling the team. Can you share what's coming up ahead or are we? do we need to watch the space? So a little bit of watch the space. Mm-hmm. Um, I suspect, I, I mean, I can say that we're, we're raising our seed round um, and, and which I actually love. There's a lot of founders who hate raising money. You're the first person. I, I actually like it, it because I get to talk to so many people. I get to, you know, I get to gush about our company and what we're doing and how we're amazing. And, and it's, I'm like, so in a way I'm going to miss it, but actually not, it's like being pregnant. Like, Oh, I love being pregnant. Oh my God. Get the kid out of me. Right. (laughs) So it's like, Oh, I love fundraising. Okay. I'm ready to get back to work now. (laughs) So that's, that's kind of where we are. Um, but yeah, I'm really excited to get back, um, in front of, customers because honestly we've got a ton of traction and we've got one salesperson in brazil wow and we've got a massive amount of traction so i can't wait to really build our sales team and go to market and really start promoting the company yeah Yeah. you are you are the first founder i think i've (laughs) ever heard that actually enjoys the fundraising process i think because i believe in it so i believe in the company and our team and our product and i know we have something yeah you know because i've done tech companies before and i know we had we had something then but it was a little bit better. Right. Right. We could do it a little bit better. We we could save them money. Right. right? But it, it was a little bit harder sell. Whereas what we have now is a jump forward. Wow. Right. It is, it's a leap forward. Um, so it's kind of. You've got the conviction. It's starting to like sell itself. Wow. So it's, it's, wow. Yeah. What about the rejection though? Like that's what I always hear is the, the no's, especially with the VCs. The, the egos, the attitudes, does none of that get in the way for you? Oh, no, I did get, so we've had um, a, a couple of no's. Um, mostly they say because we're too small right now. That could just be polite, mm. but that's fine. But there was one note, so there was one that I was really, really wanted, um, and they politely said no, mm. you know, not yet. But that one, for some reason, I'm like, oh, I'll show you. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, you're going to regret that. <laughs> That I won't side say, of I won't say who it is. <laughs> You're going to show them. I'll show I you. It's it's so interesting to unpick a little bit of what motivates somebody like you. Again, that like I'll prove you wrong, as well as the pro. You know the. <laughs> all the positive stuff. Melissa, you've been fantastic. I definitely feel like I could chat to you all day. I know you love a a good chinwag as well. Final question is the uh, best lessons often come from the biggest mistakes. Um, Hence the title of the podcast, Strategy and Tragedy. You've had a lot happen to you. What would you say, we may well have already covered it, but what would you say is one big strategy, oh sorry, tragedy if you like, that 
has really stuck with you and you're like, I'm never making that mistake ever again? Well, I suppose, um, hmm. Oh, Oh, that's a good one. What mistake am I? The biggest one, and it was actually a couple little ones, is be super careful with contracts. Okay. Um, and so as a founder, you know, startup founder, you're you're excited about your product and getting to market and not so much looking at the contract. But I know from experience that can burn you. Wow. So I may be spending too much time on our contracts right now. <laughs> but, you know, I just I'm going to make sure that's right. So with good reason. Yeah. So it pays to maybe invest in a good lawyer yeah. to look over the contract, yeah. which, which we've done. Okay. So I would. Yeah. Even though you think, oh, just I'll cut that cost. Don't. Okay. It's your business. Right. OK, brilliant. Well, on that pearl of wisdom, <laughs> thank you so much for sharing that with our listeners. Again, an absolute pleasure to have you. Thank you so much, Melissa. Thank you. It's fun. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. I really hope that you enjoyed it and that you've learned something new that you can apply to your own business. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. It really, really helps me out. So thank you so much again and stay tuned for the next one.